So it was 1998. I was five, you were 13, yeah. and dad was 34 years old when he decided to move the entire family down to Denver, specifically in Highlands Ranch, and plant Jubilee Fellowship Church. You know, we started in a school and eventually went to a storefront and then to um, a building and then multiple campuses. But some of the things that I can remember that were foundational to our DNA is discovering and recovering the promises of God. Jubilee wasn't just, you know, a building. It was a community of people that were gathering together to figure out what all of this is about. In Leviticus, it talks about the year of Jubilee. And one thing that dad has always done and preached about and put in the foundations of this church is about the promises, the blessing, and the healing of God. When I think of people in the history of JFC, I think one thing is that they've always been able to say the second that they walk in, they can feel the presence and blessing of God. The year of Jubilee isn't just some old teachings, it's a lifestyle. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. It's so good to be with you. Today, I want to welcome all of you to Jubilee Fellowship Church, those listening at all of our campuses. Good morning to all of you. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we're excited about this series, uh, The Year of Jubilee. Um, our name is Jubilee, if you didn't notice that on the sign, maybe at your campus, uh, wherever you are. But uh, we're actually going back and revisiting some of the key foundational promises and the principles that, that the Lord gave to our founding pastors, John and Chris Leach. And... Uh, and not just looking back like, oh, isn't that nice, but really recognizing that, hey, those are the blessings that we are built upon. Those are part of our inheritance as sons and daughters of God Most High, but also as members of this local family. And I think it's okay to celebrate, as Pastor John has said over the last couple of weeks, we're not saying we're better than any other church, we're not saying whatever, it's just, but it's okay to celebrate, hey, this is what God has given us to be. And let's rejoice in his goodness, in his promises to us, and in the things that he established this church would be. And so uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to those. If you haven't heard those, there's some really great things that have been shared about what our name Jubilee uh, really means and what those promises are. I'll give you the snippet of it, and it means freedom, family, and inheriting the promises of God and the, and the inheritance that he has uh, planned for us. But I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But I was asked to come and share a little bit about a tagline that you might hear if you come here very often, and that is uh, that we are here to help people discover and recover the promises of God in your lives. And I think Pastor John asked us, we've been on staff here for 14 years, been attending Jubilee just a little bit longer than that. And I'm gonna share a little bit of my story kind of throughout our time together today because I really believe that we are one of many examples. I think if you're here, chances are you've probably already experienced in some way discovering or recovering the promises of God in your life. Am I right? I'm seeing people nod at me. I know at our campuses it's true as well. Uh, but I want to share, just add to that a little bit of my story because I'm, I'm excited about what God has done uh, with us. And we definitely were in a place where we needed to discover and recover those promises. And so I want to take you back uh, a little bit more than 18 years ago. I was sitting on a couch in Pontiac, Michigan. Anybody been there? 
You don't want to be there this time of year. My first assignment at that church was calling everyone on the first Sunday of the year, telling them that service had been canceled because of a blizzard. <laughs> no joke. They didn't even know who I was. I'm like, I'm the new guy. You haven't met me yet, but church is canceled. But anyway, we were there in 1999, and I was reading the Bible, and I really felt like, uh, kind of like the, the, the skies opened. I mean, you know, I was in my house, but figuratively speaking, you know, and there was like a single beam of light, kind of like in School of Rock, but way holier because I was reading the Bible. Um, but, you know, it was kind of one of those moments where I really felt like God was speaking to me. I was reading the Bible and reading a passage of Scripture, uh, but really like it was like echoing on the inside and like all of a sudden things kind of went away and it was like, whoa, this is, wow, God, okay, you're speaking to me. And, and it, uh, I'm going to share with you what I was uh, reading and it comes from Isaiah chapter 44 and it says these words, but now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Good so far, right? Sweet, you made me, yes, amen. You're gonna help me, I like it so far. You've chosen me, good, okay. With you so far, Lord. Says this, do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Yeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow and like poplar trees by flowing streams. Man, it just hit me. You know, it's like, and I didn't even fully understand it. It's like, okay, I'm not sure what poplars are and where, you know, streams are. And, you know, I was kind of like, I'm not sure exactly what it all means specifically, but it sounds like a really cool thing that God's gonna pour his spirit out on my descendants and his water on thirsty ground. I'm like, yes, Lord. And so we began to really feel, we were in a place where it was kind of like, man, we felt like we were in a transition out of the existing church that we were at. That's another story for another day. But, and so we were open to kind of something new. And I really felt like, man, God is stirring us to start a church and in conversations with some denominational leaders uh, whom we were associated with at the time. And they were like, yes, you know, we're with you and come to Denver, Colorado. We're gonna give you this enormous budget of $20,000 and you're gonna start a church, you know? And I'm like, sweet, $20,000, you know? It costs a lot more than that, by the way, if you don't know that. Anyway. I didn't know that at the time. But so fast forward, you know, we move here to Denver, Colorado, and I go through my list of 10 people that I knew were gonna leave their, you know, jobs and homes and everything and move here immediately to follow us and start this church together. And two of them said yes. And I felt that's a sign from God. Let's move forward, you know. So we move forward and we jump into what was Oasis Ministries. And so uh, we uh, went through the boot camp and, and learned how to plant a church, supposedly, and all that. And, and so we're out there doing children's evangelism and we got Walmart to donate some bicycles and we're out there dressed, you know, in mascots and doing games for kids and reaching Northeast Denver, right? The Cole neighborhood, just uh, if you know where that's at, just uh, north of Five Points there a little bit by the Purina Dog Food Factory. Uh, lovely, lovely smell, by the way, uh, up there, but it's, it's awesome. So, so we're up there and man, we're doing outreach and, and God begins to bring some kids and begins to bring some people. And long story short, we end up starting a church out of it. And uh, we decided to go, instead of bilingual Spanish-English, uh, just the people that God seemed to bring were monolingual Spanish, so uh, one of 25% of our leadership team of four spoke Spanish. That would be me. The other three spoke English only. So they were relegated to children's ministry and or background sort of support kind of jobs. And I was like, oh, leading worship, preparing teachings, visiting people, doing Bible studies during the week, you know, pretty much everything that required any Spanish. That was me. And so it was kind of fun, you know, the guitar, accordion, boom, 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 boom
you know, it was awesome worship. A little different than what you might hear <laughs> here at Jubilee on a given weekend. But it was so much fun. It was a great day. Man, God did some awesome things through it. Man, lives were, you know, people came to know Jesus through it. Uh, people ended up coming and going. And, you know, sometimes it's a transient type of a, of a community. And even people went back to Mexico and other places with the gospel. So God did amazing things. And, and we celebrate, even to this day, those good things. But to be honest with you, after two and a half years of that, we found ourselves in a place, I was working a full-time job at Junior Achievement. Maybe you've heard me tell that story, but it wasn't exactly in the area of my greatest strengths. And so I'm just like scrambling, doing a bunch of detail work and feeling not very successful there. I'm doing all this stuff at the church for the weekends. I'm doing all the background, trying to get churches to come, you know, support us and doing newsletters and, you know, bookkeeping and all this crazy stuff. We were tired. We were exhausted. It had taken a toll on our marriage. It had taken a toll on our family taking a toll on our finances. I mean, it just was like, man, we were at a place where we just felt we could not go on. So we merged our church in with another church that had Hispanic ministry uh, downtown. And, and we were like, oh man, I told my wife, I'm like, I feel like I'm nothing in God's eyes and I'm nothing in man's eyes. I'm like, I don't know what's next for, for us. Um, I feel like I'm done. I feel like there's nothing left in me. I don't know if God is ever gonna use me again, but guess what? I'm a husband, I'm a dad. I know God wants me to be those things, so I pray he helps me provide for my family. I don't care how that is, if it's working at UPS at three in the morning or, you know, I don't care. I wanna be faithful in those areas because I know that God wants that. Beyond that, I have no idea. And maybe it's just do that and then die and then go to heaven. And, you know, maybe that's what, honestly, it was, I was ground to powder. And it was in that time that, my in-laws, my wife's parents, just mentioned to us one day, hey, why don't you come and visit this little church? It's in a storefront down at Broadway and County Line. I know it's kind of a drive for you guys. We lived in Arvada at the time. And why don't you come and just see, you know, you might be encouraged. You might be uh, uplifted. And I was like, I don't know. It's one of those non-denominational churches. Aren't they the ones that water down the gospel? You know, they kind of hold back from really, you know, us denominational guys, you know, we're really delivering the fire, you know. But we ended up coming. <laughs> and that's where I want to tell you about some processes that begin in our lives that I think God uses in all of our lives to help us discover and recover his promises. And, and the first process that is at work in our lives is that the promise must be heard. The promise must be heard. How does that happen? Well, I believe that, uh, here's the thing, for something to be heard, someone has to be speaking it. Would you agree? And it's kind of like that, that question maybe you've asked yourself at times or maybe in science class, your teacher asked you, hey, if a tree falls in the middle of the forest and there's no one, have you heard this? And there's no one around to hear it, did it still make noise? Some of you are like, wow, I, still, I actually don't even know the answer to that question. Or what about this question? If there's a man who makes a statement and there are no women around, is he still wrong? Sorry, save, save that joke for marriage conference, Siri. Okay. <laughs> How do you recover from that one? It's kind of like, oops, wrong turn. Okay. No, but here's the deal. For, for a promise to be heard, it must have been spoken. And I want to tell you good news five minutes into this message is that our God is a God who speaks. Our God is a God who has declared promises that are good for us. Our God is a God who cares about our lives. He cares about, about our finances. He cares about our marriages if we have them. He cares about our children if we have them. He cares about our spouses. He cares about our parents, our friendships, our, our careers. 
our, our legacies. He cares about every area and he has spoken good promises and he still speaks them by his spirit. And so our choice becomes to put ourselves under the influence of the one who is speaking and to truly hear those things. I know that word under the influence has a lot of meanings for a lot of people. I'm not asking you to raise your hand what it means for you in your past, okay? We're not gonna go there. But it's true that we can be under the influence of something and it alters our behavior. It alters our perception of reality, right? If we're under the influence. But here's one under the influence I believe God is saying, yes, I want you to be under this. And that's under the influence of his word, of his promises, of his truth. Guess what? You all made a choice today. All of you at our campuses are making a choice this morning to put yourselves under the influence of God's word. Isn't that cool? Give somebody a high five. Be like, I knew we chose wisely. Yeah, I told you I'm a genius. You are. You made a great choice to put yourself in a place where the word of God, the truth of God, the promises of God are being spoken over you and into your heart, over the airways. And when that happens, there is a result. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. When you choose to put yourself like you have today under the influence of God's word and of his promises and to hear those things, that is where faith begins to be sparked. Romans 10, 17 says that, doesn't it? It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Not just hearing our own desires and ambitions and, oh, I want to, you know, have a second villa in, you know, Puerto Vallarta. No, that might be God's will for us, but it's when we hear God's word, the things that God is speaking, that is where God activates faith in our spirit and the promises begin to be mobilized for our future. And so here's the thing. I don't believe it speaks of just a one-time decision, as good as that is, as powerful as it is to come one time and hear the promises of God. But I believe that there's a continual process that we have a choice to be engaged in. And Proverbs 19, 27 says this, if you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. That tells me that we have to continue, right, on a daily basis, continue to listen to knowledge and to wisdom, continue to be under the influence of God's word. How do we do that? Well, I wanna encourage you. God, well, this one, it happens to be the Psalms, but this is part of the Bible, okay? It's not the entire Bible. It happens to be a, a translation that I'm enjoying particularly right now. But if you have a Bible in your home or on your phone or device or, you know, you listen to a podcast of the Word of God, what a great place to discover the promises of God. This is a great way that every day you can choose to put yourself under the influence of God's promises, to hear His Word spoken over you. And we don't do this to be like earn points with God. That's not what I'm saying. Some churches, not trying to beat up on anyone, but I've been part of those services where it's like, you know, if you read God's word, man, God's gonna be happier with you. And you know, you'll give a check mark to yourself. Like I'm a better Christian. Yes, I read. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what God wants from us to try to earn favor points with him. That's not the good news of the gospel. That's not what this is all about, guys. God doesn't need that. He's not on an ego trip. I want people to read my book. So I'm a bestseller. You know, no, it isn't. He knows who he is. He's telling us, man, I've packed my promises into here. I've packed my, my love for you into here. I've packed my truth that can set you free in here. And if you will put yourself under this influence, 
you're going to begin to discover and recover things that are going to change your life and allow you to walk in all that I have for you. Here's the trick. Sometimes it's stuff we don't want to hear, right? Even good promises. Have you, have you realized that? I've been in counseling situations with people where they come in and maybe their marriage is in trouble. And I begin to say, man, you know what? God can change this and God can bring new life. They're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to hear that. I want you to just rubber stamp, yep, it's dead. Time of death, 347. All right, you know, send them out. You can move on with your life. Oh, here's match.com. Get on with the next phase. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't want to hear that God is speaking hope and that God is, is speaking truth into our lives. Or maybe God is saying, hey, hear my word. Here's all my goodness and my promises. But hey, there's also some steps you can take as part of discovering and recovering my promises. There's some areas that I want to work in you as well. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And then we're like, oh, so it's not just like a boink. Oh, I'm surrounded by a treasure house of promises. That was easy. That's not always how it happens, is it? Sometimes it's like, hey, here's an area. Here's a habit that's holding you back. Here's a promise that you need to take action on. Here's a, a, a discipline in your life that you need to build that's gonna help you discover and recover and inherit that promise. It's like, oh, okay. So it becomes about a choice to truly hear the promise of God. But if you're like me, once we hear that promise, very shortly after that, here's the next process that is at work. And that is that the promise is tested. The promise is tested. Anybody have a promise that's being tested in your life that's been tested maybe for many years? I'm telling you what, there's a guy in the Bible, one of my favorite characters, his name is Joseph. Man, Joseph is such a, a great, I just love him. You know, he and the Count of Monte Cristo, to me, are just the two, but I guess that he's not in the Bible. But anyway, their stories are somewhat similar. You know what I'm saying? They get framed, they get injustice, but then it's like, boom, rise to power and, you know, get to pay all the bad guys back. But no, that's not how it happens, actually. But Joseph, in the latter part of the book of Genesis, is, uh, receives and hears a, a promise and a word over him is that, hey, the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to bow down to you. And he's like, sweet, amen, hallelujah, I like this church. You know, I don't know if he was in the church, but he heard the promise and he shared it with his family. And they were like, oh, that's lovely. Hmm. We love your promise, Joseph. Come over here in the dark alley with us. We're going to talk about that promise. And that's basically what happened. He went out and visited them when they were out with their father's sheep. And they grabbed him. They ripped the coat of many colors off of him. They threw him in a cistern. They talked about killing him. Some of them wanted to actually do that because of the severe hatred they had. But they chose in the end to sell him to some Amalekites that ended up taking him down to Egypt, selling him as a slave far away from his father's favor, far away from the love that he'd always known, far away from all of that into a place of servitude and a place far away from his homeland. And you know what? Just like that, sometimes the promises of God are tested in our lives. And I think it can happen a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's time that tests that promise. Anybody been waiting for a promise for a long time that you're like, man, God, when? I mean, God, I thought you, right? That's what happened to us. I was like, man, I thought, God, when you brought us here to Denver, that this church was, and, it, but it, and then a week turned into a month and then a month turned into a year. And it was like, Okay, God, where's the, where's the DJ Smith International Ministries, you know? <laughs> well, sometimes it takes time. And I'm telling you what, in those times, we grow when we persevere. We grow when we persevere. There's a scripture in Psalm 37, verse 34, that says this. So don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep moving forward steadily in his ways. 
and he will exalt you at the right time. And when he does, listen to this, you will possess every promise. Repeat those last two words, every promise. You will possess every promise, including your full inheritance. Isn't that good? Man, I love that. God is saying, you know what? Move steadily in my ways. Man, when it's being tested by time and you're not seeing it happen quite yet, continue to do the things that I've spoken to you to do. Be faithful, persevere, and you will see it. What about this? What about when it's tested by our own choices? Anybody uh, experience sometimes like, oh, I made this choice, and all of a sudden that kind of like, oh, I was heading towards the promise, and it's like a little detour <laughs> because of a choice that I made. I made a choice to start a church in Denver, not knowing how much it would take and how many resources would be there and, you know, uh, and not be there and what was required in the process of that kind of business plan, if you will. And so some of it was just learning that I needed to, 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 to do and God wanted to accomplish in me. Probably in your life, it's the same way where God gives a promise, but as part of that testing, God is saying, hey, I wanna work in you as well. I wanna help you learn wisdom. I wanna help you change things that are, that are hindering you, that are holding you back, and in the process, make you more like Jesus. Listen to this scripture out of Romans 12. It says these words, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Changing the way we think, guess what that word can also be? And you can write this in your notes. We grow when we repent. I know we don't like that word typically, do we? Because we think repent is like, whoosh, whoosh. By the way, this is a whip. Whoosh, whoosh. I'm such a bad person. Whoosh. I'm such a loser. Whoosh. I can't believe I did that. God must be really, really mad at me right now. That's not repentance. That's like, I don't know. I don't even know what that is. Anyway, part of something in a parade like somewhere. Anyway, repentance means to think again. Repent, to think again or afresh or anew about something. God is all about changing our minds. He's about changing the way we think to align us. If we're, if we're like hammering on something and we're hitting our thumb every time, like, ow, 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 man, I could build this house so much faster if I didn't hit my thumb every time. Ow, ow. You know, God's like, hey, do you want to learn how to do that better? At some point it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> please, where's the ice? That's what repentance is. God's like, hey, if you hold it this way, and now it's like, oh, I don't have to say ow. I don't have to say ow, I can do this faster. And we build the house faster and easier and better. That's repentance. It's learning to do things God's way. Hey, you know what, in your marriage, if you, when your wife asks you, do these jeans make me look fat? You're like, no, dear, you're so beautiful to me. You know, you change. You know, God wants to give us wisdom, right? With our kids, wisdom in how we discipline. In our careers, wisdom. When we don't tell our boss, hey, I should be able to get here whatever time I want because, man, I'm, you know, kind of the bomb. You can't do this without me. Come on, you know that. You can't write code in the website. Guess what? They'll find a way to write code in the website without you, right? So God wants us to rethink, repent, learn, be transformed, be made like Jesus, that's huge. It's all working during the testing of the promise to prepare us for the fulfillment of the promise. What about this? Sometimes it's tested by the enemy, isn't it? The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. I'm telling you what, if God has given you a promise, I guarantee you the enemy is gonna come after it at some point. Have you realized that? Do I have my basketball anywhere up here? 
Anybody? No? I don't have my, no. We talked about it. Okay, so in my basketball, my first uh, senior year in high school, I was in this little country school in Hot Springs, Arkansas, way out there, you know. Actually, it was Hot Springs Village, which was 15 miles outside of Hot Springs. So anyway, tiny little school, 30 people in the entire high school. Guess what that meant? Everybody got to play on the team. Okay, so I played high school basketball my senior year. I think it was like varsity because we only had one team. So yes, varsity ball. And so, you know, my coach, Bill Rich, was like, when you get the ball, and he could kind of tell like, some guys have talent and some guys you just need to teach them a couple moves kind of thing. So guess which one I was in, which category. So he's teaching me just a couple of moves. Like, let's not make a total fool of yourself out there. So he's like, when you get the ball, Smith, you get the ball. And if anybody else tries to grab it, you swing your elbows like this. And then you make a power move. You put your leg around the other guy and then you take the ball to the hole. Smith, you take that ball to the hole. That was the only instructions I had. It wasn't pat, wasn't try to dribble, because he knew I couldn't do that. It wasn't pass, because, you know, Lord help us all. Just try to take the ball to the hole. At least people will clap for the effort or whatever. So, but that's what it's like sometimes in our lives. We have to contend for the promise. You can write that down. We grow when we contend for the promise of God against the enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 John 5.4 tells us these words, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. God is stirring in you and building in you the muscles of faith to be able to take that promise saying, no, enemy, you can't have this. God has made this promise to me and I'm contending for it and I'm swinging my elbows and I'm developing strength in the process. For our family, one of the ways that was tested was with one of our kids. And uh, some of you know him, Zach. He's actually here with us this morning. Sitting on the front row. I love you, Zach. <laughs> but man, in high school, he went to Valor the first couple of years here in Highlands Ranch. And then he went to uh, Rock Canyon. And, uh, and uh, there was a knock on our door one day. And uh, there was a police officer. And he's like, hey, are you the parents of Zach Smith? I'm like, who's asking? <laughs> Which Zach Smith? I don't think we're the parents of whichever Zach Smith you're asking about. But it was us. <laughs> and he showed me, he started talking about, hey, there's all these, these kids in high school that are uh, choosing to, you know, between Highlands Ranch High School and Rock Canyon and other, you know, other schools. And, and they're getting together at these parks and they're having fights. And they're, you know, not just like little, oh, you know, you look like a turkey. You know, that kind of fight. It was like actual fight club fights, you know. And he's like, and people are getting out on videos and it's all over social media, you know, here. Is that your son? I'm like, nope, never seen that guy before. <laughs> he was the one on top. Bang, you know. But that's not the point, and that's very wrong, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> but he did win. Just <laughs> had to say that part. And then he became really good friends with those people. The point being, he was a scout, and that was the beginning of kind of a season of two or three or four years where it was a tough season, and he wasn't making the best choices, and one thing led to another, and... And uh, we found ourselves as a mom and dad going, whoa, ow, what happened? You know, we, we're a pastor family. We don't deal with those kinds of things. Our kids are perfect. <laughs> no, we're perfect. No, you know, we found ourselves in a very real place. And if any of you have been in those situations where, you know, stress has a way of testing even your marriage because it's like, you know, in the midst of, you know, hey, when you're on vacation, 25th anniversary, all-inclusive and, you know, Cancun's like, yes, we love each other so much. I like you. I like you more. No, I like you more. You know, you've been there. I hope you've had a chance to be in a place like that. We have, thankfully. 
But then it's like when you're in this place, it's like, wait, was it that? No, if you would have read one more Bible story to them when they were five, you know, the one about Joseph, you know, that would have, then we would have never found ourselves in a situation, you know, or if you would have taken more time to pray with them, or if you would have, if we would have anointed this door with oil, or if you would have, you know, if we would have told them no, that one time in seventh grade when he was like, can I go to Billy's house and play, you know, Xbox? I knew that was wrong, and that would have steered the whole thing in a different, hey, you know what? We found ourselves in a place of brokenness, in a place of despair, in a place of going, we never thought we'd be here. What do we do? God, help us. God, what's going on? And thankfully, we were here at Jubilee where there's a family of love and compassion and even our pastors, John and Chris and Dan and Kim, our executive pastors, man, we were in their living room crying with them. I think Zach was with us one of those nights. And uh, just, and they were speaking life and speaking mercy and speaking faith and hope and Tell us it's going to be okay. Pastor Chris told us a really good word I'm going to share with you, and that is that sometimes aliens come and take your teenager's brain when they're 17. They give it back when they're like 22 or 23. I think that's a word from the Lord for somebody here. But honestly, Pastor Chris told me that at the Starbucks near Shea Stadium at uh, Town Center and, and Santa Fe, and I still remember it because it was just a word of like, okay, okay, maybe it's going to be okay. Maybe, 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 and, and it was it helped us contend for the promises of God and still say, no, Satan, you can't have him. He belongs to the Lord. We bind him to the purposes of God and to God's plan for his life. And he, he's gonna be a man of God who loves the Lord and who is used in his generation. And I'm telling you what, well, I'm not gonna tell you right now what. I'm leave that there. I'm gonna tell you at the very end how that turned out. But we have to contend. Another one I wanna share with you is that sometimes we grow when we forgive Sometimes the choices of other people around us that we don't control create a testing of the promises of God in our lives, don't they? Maybe you're here and you've been hurt. You've been rejected by someone you thought was a friend. Or maybe someone very close to you, a spouse, disappointed you or betrayed you. Or maybe it's in a work situation where you got passed over and it's like, what a minute, wait a minute, I, I, I'm the most deserving of, of this promotion. What happened? Somebody else had it in for you or treated you unjustly. Those things happen in our lives, don't they? Injustice happens. Hurt happens. Somebody should make a sticker about that. I think there maybe already is one, but, you know, <laughs> phrased a little differently. But here's the deal. I believe that we can choose to dwell on those things and meditate on them, but I really think that the Lord gave me, I'm going to give you a quick little insight because somebody dared me that I could not use the word toilet in a message and I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna, not only am I gonna use it, I'm gonna tell you it's a word from the Lord. I think I'm gonna win 20 bucks here. Okay. I felt like the Lord showed me that every one of us has like a guest room and a guest bathroom in our sort of emotional houses of our lives. And when we let people in, in any sort of capacity, as a friend, as an employee, as a spouse, as a you know, child, whatever, we're in a relationship, guess what? They, we are allowing them to stay in our guest bedroom and in our guest bathroom. And have access to that. And guess what? Sometimes those people use that bathroom and don't flush. Has that ever happened to you? You don't have to admit it, but I'm sure it's probably happened. And you find yourself like, is this the coffee? No, it's not the coffee. What, what am I smelling right here? And somebody didn't flush the toilet. How rude. How, how disconcerting. How perplexing. How irritating. And when we're hurt, it's kind of like that. We begin to go, hey, something stinks around here. 
And I want that person to come back and make it right. They need to come back and admit it and admit what they did and, and very humbly, I'm so sorry, you know, and kneel before us and flush the toilet. <laughs> but have you noticed sometimes other people don't do what, we, what they should do? Sometimes it's like they don't admit it or maybe they argue with it. Well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have a toilet right there. You're like, what? <laughs> you know, flush the stinking toilet, literally. But here's the thing. God has given us, you as a son or daughter of the God, have the grace of God to forgive, even if that person doesn't repent. And that doesn't mean saying it's okay what they did. That doesn't mean saying it's, it's right. That doesn't mean denying the pain of it. It doesn't mean we don't have to bring our broken hearts to the Lord and go, God, I need you to heal me because I'm hurting over what that person did to me. That's all part of it. But in the end, God may say, okay. And whenever he's healing us, he might be like, all right, now push that button because we need to let that go. We need to send that into the sea of forgetfulness the way that Jesus has forgiven our sins and let it go and be freed to move forward because God doesn't want that to keep us from discovering and recovering his promises. So maybe that's a word for somebody here that maybe you're being held back right now by the decisions of somebody else and God is saying, flush it, let it go. And you know what? Things will start smelling better in your life again and you'll be able to move forward, Amen. Peter, Peter asked Jesus, how many times will I forgive? Jesus, seven times seven? Jesus like, no, 70 times seven, as long as it takes. Flush it, baby, be set free. One that I'm gonna share with you that's not in your notes, that I really, uh, we were at a worship, work as worship conference uh, Friday. And, and the author and founder of Big Idea Productions, his name is Phil Vischer. You may have heard of VeggieTales. Anybody? Maybe at our campuses. Uh, the fastest direct-to-video company in the history of America or the world. Secular, Christian, all of it included. It grew, skyrocketed. They grew by 3,300%, so 3,000% over the first several years of their existence. Sold more than 10 million videos of their first one. I mean, it was success at every turn. And it was all good. Phil Vischer's vision was to change families in America. He was looking at MTV. He was looking at, you know, Nickelodeon, different things. And he was like, man, there needs to be an influence for God in our next generation and the children learning about biblical values and, and the goodness of God and, you know, biblical characters and stories and being able to, to really know that and lay that foundation. That was his vision. But he found himself after about 10 years or so, I think the company started in 89. In 99, it began to plateau, the sales. And all of a sudden, before he knew it, it began to go into a free fall. And he was going, God, what's going on? He was praying. They were trying different ideas and he had hired, you know, artists and, and, and an, uh, animators from Disney and from all these different places. Man had this vision to become the next Disney. But before he knew it, sales were dropping, dropping, dropping. At every turn, he was like, God, you can still rescue this, God. We can still pursue that vision, that promise we had. And God didn't do it. And then, but God, you can still, Lord, I, I need you now, God. And you can still say this belongs to you, Lord. And, but God didn't intervene. And year after year after year, they had to lay off people. It went down from 210 to 60 to 30. People were depressed. People were discouraged. And he's like, what are you doing, God? In the midst of all that, somebody sued them for breaking a verbal agreement. $12 million suit. And he's like, Lord, I know that I'm innocent and you know, you're gonna vindicate us. Guess what happened? They lost the suit. They had to literally dissolve the company. It sold to... Some, some other company in Nashville. I think now it's owned by Comcast, actually. And he was just left broken, left going, what in the world, God? What are you doing? 
And I think that's the hardest one to grow through in our lives. I think the other ones, hey, forgiving, contending for it, persevering, you know, even repenting and learning. I think those are things like, okay, God, but what when God is going after the very promise that he made to us? Just like with Abraham, when he came to him and said, hey, I want your son. I want the son that I promised to you. I want Isaac, and I want you to bring him up on this mountain and lay him on an altar and sacrifice him. Well, when God says that to us, what, what about when God is, is, is pursuing that in our lives, of the thing that, that he's given us, the promise that he's even made to us? Here's what Phil Vischer wrote in a blog about that. Yeah, chipper, isn't it? Cross-stitch that line on your throw pillar. We die. We take up our cross and die to ourselves. We are crucified in Christ and we no longer live. That's how Paul put it. That guy sustained by the joy of the Lord, even when a pit viper was hanging off his forearm, not to mention other problems he had. We die to ourselves. We die to our ambition, our will, our goals, our gasp, dreams, our desires. We put them on the altar and kill them because as long as they live, they will be forever trying to put themselves on the throne, the throne that belongs to Christ. Anything we can't let go of is an idol. I'm gonna say that again in case you missed it. Anything we can't let go of is an idol. Following Christ, listen to this, following Christ starts with an act of murder. Our dreams, our desires, our lives, dead. Then we are reborn in Christ. He lives through us. He becomes our delight. He becomes our joy, our strength, our first love, our deepest desire. And then he goes on to talk about Psalm 37, verse four, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But he's talking to us from the other side. Have you ever wanted someone to say hello to you from the other side? Just checking to see who listens to secular music. Okay, at our, I saw you at our campus. Hello from the other side. You know that song? This is from the other side. I believe that Phil Vischer is a man, when you hear him speak, you're like, you're speaking from the other side of something. Because when, when you've been brought by the Lord to that place of literally dying to your dream, dying to the very things, you're like, but God, this is a really good thing. And God's like, I know, can I have it? And, and, and there's, there's something on the other side of that when we are crucified with Christ and we're like, God, this hurts. God, I didn't think, I thought that you made the promise and it was like, yeah, you're gonna fulfill it. And God's like, I know, but there's a death on the path to that recovery of the promise. And, and on the other side of that, you're gonna belong to me and nothing is gonna own you. I may be able to give you all things, but nothing will possess you, is what A.W. Tozer said. I believe that God is calling us from the other side saying, for those of you who hear me, maybe right now in the midst of that testing, is that there's a death involved that God is saying, I want you to die to yourself, to your way of thinking about it, to your understanding of my promise, and truly trust me to resurrect it on the other side. If that's for you, just receive that today. But here's the last process I wanna to talk to you about in the last couple of minutes that I have, and that is that the promise is fulfilled. Are you thankful? <laughs> I'm glad that God is not just a, a speaker of promises that are heard. I'm glad he's not just a tester. Woo, thank you, Lord. That's definitely a big part of it. But God is a God who fulfills the promise. And uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 24, 
Joshua was the attendant of Moses who led the people all the way to the promised land. Obviously, he stayed on the very outskirts of it and God commissioned Joshua to take them in. Remember the story of Jericho? They marched around it. Walls came down. Man, they possessed the land flowing with milk and honey that God had promised them that they had come out of Egypt 40 years earlier to possess. But here's what he's saying towards the end of his life, speaking to the next generation. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know that with all your heart and soul that not one, say not one, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. I'm going to say that again because you've chosen to put yourself under the influence of the word of God today. Every promise has been fulfilled. And then he repeats it. Not one has failed. This is God's servant, Joshua, looking back upon a lifetime saying, guys, you know what? I know there were tests. I know there were battles. I know there were times that we weren't sure if we were gonna make it, but I'm here to tell you today that God is faithful, that our God is a God that doesn't make a promise he doesn't intend to fulfill. And so all of you here today and all of you at our campuses and those listening online, that is good news. That is the message of Jubilee, not just a church called Jubilee, God's Jubilee is that God is a maker, but also a fulfiller of promises in our lives, that he wants to bring you through to a place of discovering and recovering the promises. The things, I'm telling you what, it's just as fun to discover, or excuse me, to recover as it is to discover, you know that? Discovering, obviously, that first time that we're like, wow, that's cool, you know, God loves me that much, but recovery, we have a couple of teachings in scripture talk about the person who lost the one coin And literally when they found it after sweeping the whole house, there was more rejoicing over that one coin they lost than all the ones that hadn't been lost. Then he repeats it with sheep. He left the 99, found the one. It was like, woo! Like the other 99, like, what are we, chopped liver? You know, you will be soon. (laughs) No, just kidding. I don't know where that came from. But the point is there's such rejoicing over recovery and God wants that joy to be yours of recovering his promises that might've seemed tested and held back and stagnated in your life or, or by others or whatever it might be there. But he wants to bring you through. Here's the beauty of it. We don't always see that perspective in the middle of it, do we? At least I haven't in my life. But sometimes God brings us into that place where it's like we look back, we're like, wow, God, you did fulfill it. Wow, God, you have done something good. Let me take you back to that promise that I believe God made me in Isaiah 44, that he would pour out his spirit on our descendants and water on the thirsty ground. As I look at that in our lives right now, again, we, man, we still have a long way to go. Here's the deal. We're always in all three of those. Do you know that? It's not like we ever, like, it's not like it's just a chronological, okay, between your 20s and 30s, you're hearing, and then between your 40s and 50s of your life, you're kind of testing, and then, you know, in your 70s and 80s, you're, you know, fulfilling promise. No, we're always in the process of God wanting to speak to us a new, fresh word a new promise in our lives. Are we listening? We're always in the process of being tested over promises that we're contending for and and persevering in and maybe even repenting and forgiving in and maybe even dying in. And then we're always in that place, I believe, if God opens our eyes to see that, man, God is fulfilling his promises to us every day. As we look back on our family, we can see that happen, man. Just looking at our our kids, for example. Our daughter Ellie is 15. She's sitting here with me today at Lone Tree. And man, she's 15 going on 25. She's got her mama's good looks and her mama's brain. 
And so she's, man, she's sharp. She's on top of it. Bam, bam, bam. I'm going to go on a mission trip to South Africa. Then we're doing this. And she's got her friends and her calendar. And she's like, okay, we're going to, you know, Castle Rock Youth Group on Thursday night. And then we're going to go to Dora Nails. And then we're going to Lakewood on Saturday. And then, you know, man, I can't keep up with her. You know, I'm like, okay, well, you just tell me where I need to be at the right time. And, you know, but, but she's blessed. She's loved. She has friends. She has a future. My son Levi, man, he's our videographer here at Lone Tree. And man, he's found a place to discover his gifts and, and utilize those things and sharpen those things in the, in the roll-ins for the messages and the promos and all that stuff. At 18, I was like, at 18, I was like, waking up at two in the afternoon, hey, mom and dad, do I have to do the dishes? You know, here's my son, man, discovering, recovering the promises of God, being catapulted forward in his giftings and his ministry. Last week, he was here at Lone Tree on this platform, leading a worship song at the very end. And man, I was just like, <laughs> Those of you that are parents got to know what, you know what that feels like to see your kid just loving Jesus, using their talents for God's glory. I told you about Zach, my second born, that man, he had gone through those seasons of testing in his life. And hey, you know, we're always obviously growing. We never arrive, but, but I'm telling you what, just yesterday I was having a conversation with him and he's telling me, Dad, tell you what, if it hadn't have been for those darkest times, if it hadn't been for those times, even the panic attacks that came afterwards as a consequence of some of those behaviors and things like that, if I hadn't gotten to that lowest point, I, I, I wouldn't have known that God is the only one who can truly rule my life and guide my life and lead my life. I mean, tell you what, when you're driving in your car and you hear your son, unscripted, unsolicited, just having that conversation with you, and you remember those places where you were, and you go, God is a fulfiller of promises. Our God is good. We have a better relationship today than we ever have, man. We're excited to see what God's doing with his life and his career is taking off and just God is blessing him with success and he's studying for IT field and man, just passing tests and just moving forward in God's favor. It's so cool to see. My firstborn son, Caleb, I said this with you, he uh, uh, went to uh, Metro and got his degree in finance, but his passion is to lead worship. And uh, God opened up a door for him a couple of years ago to become a worship leader. And it was this church uh, that he had heard about, and uh, it's called Freedom Fellowship. And they happened to meet at a storefront uh, building over at Broadway and County Line, I think it was. Um, yeah, it's the same one. The, where Jubilee was at 215 West County Line Road, that is now Freedom Fellowship Church. And that church hired my son Caleb to lead worship on the very same platform that when I went in there 14 years ago and felt the chains fall off and felt the favor of God and the love of God and the promises of God spoken over our lives and begin to, to, to see an incredible change that happened for us where we were set free of so many things and of trying to impress God and really released to receive his favor and his promises and his goodness in our lives. Now my son is leading people to encounter God on that very same platform. And I can look back and say, God, you have been good. God, you are a fulfiller of promises. Obviously, there's so many other ways I don't have time to share with you. Bible studies and other men's groups and other things going on in our lives where not just our physical kids, but I see God's spirit being poured out on other people in the church and through friendships and conversations. And it's just so good to go, God, I praise you, Lord. You didn't do it how we thought, just like when Joseph looked back at the end and his brothers were there in fear and he was like, hey, you guys meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. God sent me ahead of you to save lives because thousands or perhaps millions of lives all over Egypt and the known world were saved because Joseph 
had been, had, had been promoted to the second in command of the entire empire and was able to store up food for the days of hunger. And he brought the whole nation through that perilous time. So I'm telling you what, believer, I want you to know that God is at work in speaking to you. He's at work in, even in the midst of the testing of those promises. And he's at work bringing you through to fulfillment in those promises. Are your eyes open? Are we seeing him as the worship team comes forward? I wanna pray with you that God will open our eyes because guess what? The most important thing to him is just relationship with us. He's not wanting us to experience a bunch of good promises like over here independently of him. He's saying, man, I wanna be your greatest promise that you discover and recover. My love, I want, I want our relationship and our love to grow more than any other promise in your life. Are you, are you listening? Are you seeing me? Are you discerning me in that dark place where it's not obvious, but if you truly search for me, you will find me there in the testing, in the hearing, in the fulfilling. Let's pray together that he opens our hearts for that. God, I thank you so much for your word to us. Lord, God, we receive your word and say yes and amen. May it be done unto us according to your word, according to your will, according to your promises. God, we wanna bring our lives under the influence of your truth, of your promises. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to discern where you're at, what is the conversation you're wanting to have with us? What is that thing that we've allowed to stall our progress in you? And God, let us, let us engage you right there at that place and choose to trust you and to obey you. Lord, I pray your grace be upon your people. I pray that you would quicken faith in them. I pray that ears and hearts would be open to hear your promises and that you would help us together to discover and recover all that you have for us in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.